Good morning. I'm Pastor Gillespie from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church and School, Sherman Center, Random Lake, Wisconsin. Good to have you with us here today for our Congregation at Prayer, a guide for daily meditation and prayer around God's Word. It is Wednesday, August 25th, 2021. I'm recording here from home. Uh, we had some internet issues yesterday and I uh, didn't want to risk it yet this morning, um, although it looks like it's back up. Uh, when the storm came through, our internet signal comes over the air um, and I think it knocked out a tower or something along the route. Um, regardless of that, uh, also finishing up a little home improvement project. Home improvement? I don't know. Repair job? Something. <laughs> I won't go into more details. Um, but uh, got to keep the missus happy, as they say. And begin. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. We say our memory verse for this week. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Romans 10 verse 9. Um, I want to make one note before we go on on this. Um, notice that it, it's an if clause. If you confess and believe um, and then you could say, if then, you will be saved. Uh, there's a danger of reading these sorts of statements uh, in a purely transactional way. Here's what you have to do, and then, in, and then here's the reward, here's the carrot, you know, and then there's the stick, right? <laughs> the carrot's at the end of the stick. Um, so do this and you will, all right? And it's true. That's absolutely true. Um, Paul is not, uh, not speaking wrongly here. I'm not trying to twist his words. If you confess with your mouth, the Lord Jesus, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. But it begs the question. <laughs> I don't know if I use that expression correctly. I think I'll probably be rebuked by one of you. Um, but it, it, there, the question is raised. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, well, how do I do that? Believe in, the heart, in my heart, that, in your heart, that God has raised him from the dead. Well, how do I do that? And you take the rest of the testimony of Scripture seriously, you can't. So if you read this as uh, an expression of, this is what you must do in order for God to save you, um, you will fail. <laughs> you will fail every time. And you will ask, who can save me from this body of death, as Paul does earlier in Romans. Right? Um, rather, we have to take the whole testimony of Scripture in, 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 to heart here, and, and namely that the confession of your mouth is a gift of faith. Right? It's a fruit of faith worked by the Holy Spirit. Faith, believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, comes by the, by the eyewitness testimony of the apostles, right, or of the evangelists. The eyewitness testimony, though, is only believed, again, by the work of the Holy Spirit. I cannot, by my own reason or strength, believe in Jesus Christ, my Lord, or come to him, or speak, or confess. Um, this, of course, was the sermon this last Sunday, uh, so you can go back and listen to that if you like, right? So uh, even though it's an if-then statement, the both sides of the if and the then is God's working. It's God's doing. All right. 
Now we confess our psalm, Psalm 121. I lift up my eyes to the hills, from where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord, who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Our first reading today is from Jeremiah 18. Then they said, Come, and let us devise plans against Jeremiah. For the law shall not perish from the priest, nor counsel from the wise, nor the word from the prophet. Come, and let us attack him, with the tongue, and let us not give heed to any of his words. Give heed to me, O Lord, and listen to the voice of those who contend with me. Shall evil be repaid for good? For they have dug a pit for my life. Remember that I stood before you to speak good for them, to turn away your wrath from them. Therefore deliver up their children to the famine, and pour out their blood. By the force of the sword, let their wives become widows and bereaved of their children. Let their men be put to death, their young men be slain by the sword in battle. Let a cry be heard from their houses when you bring a troop suddenly against them, upon them. For they have dug a pit to take me and hidden snares for my feet. Yet, Lord, you know all their counsel, which is against me to slay me. Provide no atonement for their iniquity, nor blot out their sin from your sight, but let them be overthrown before you. Deal thus with them in the time of your anger. All right, so we have two words here. We have uh, the anecdotal, um, our recalling of the words of um, the enemies of Jeremiah. And notice, how do they rebuke Jeremiah's um, prophetic word, the word from God? With their own words, right? They recognize that his words will not perish, um, but the only way to overcome them is with lies, right? So, um, and then you have uh, Jeremiah's lament, right? And notice that Jeremiah's lament um, does what I uh, argued for, actually, in the uh, August uh, Lutheran Witness, in my article about dealing with anger, is to offer um, your anger at here, especially, it's righteous anger, because they're attacking God's word, um, offer that up to God and actually tell God to take care of it. And it seems kind of strong, I suppose, um, to pray that the Lord would actually defeat and overthrow the enemies, um, his enemies, which are your enemies, right, when it comes to the word of God, right? And that, wow, that their uh, wives become widows and bereaved of their children, let the men be put to death, young men slain by sword and battle. That seems pretty intense, right, to pray that upon your enemies. Um, but if the Lord has mercy, as he does, um, then thanks be to God for that too. You'll see this uh, in, the, in the prayer that we'll pray later for Afghanistan, where we recognize that we both need our Lord to overcome the enemies of the faith, the enemies of this, and, and of course our secular enemies, enemies in this world uh, who seek to overthrow us, but also especially to overthrow the Christian faith. Remember, 
uh, the Taliban is, Muslim terrorist, Muslim is key there, um, but also that we pray that the Lord have uh, mercy on those whom he would have mercy, recognize that he has died for the sins of the whole world, right? And there is no, uh, there's no place on this earth uh, where his atoning blood um, did not cover, all right? So uh, it seems harsh, um, but I think it's appropriate, actually. Uh, at least that's what I argued in the article, is to let God be the one who defeats the enemies, right? Which is what Jeremiah does here. He gives that anger to God, righteous or not. Hmm. Okay, and then our reading for catechesis uh, might sound familiar because it was our gospel lesson from Sunday. It's from Mark chapter 7. Again, departing from the region of Tyre and Sidon, he came through the midst of the region of the Decapolis to the Sea of Galilee. Then they brought to him one who was deaf and had an impediment of, of in his speech, and they begged him to put his hand on him. And he took him aside from the multitude and put his fingers in his ears, and he spat and touched his tongue, and then looking up to heaven, he sighed and said to him, Ephatha, that is, be opened. Immediately his ears were opened, and the impediment of his tongue was loosed, and he spoke plainly. Then he commanded them that they should tell no one. But the more he commanded them, the more widely they proclaimed it. And they were astonished beyond measure, saying, He has done all things well. He makes both the deaf to hear and the mute to speak. Okay, like I said, it sounds familiar, um, but we're going to do a little bit more catechesis on it. Uh, Of course, you can go uh, listen or watch the sermon from Sunday uh, to hear it applied to you. I remember yesterday he, um, he was like the new Elijah, right? Who brought healing to the Canaanite woman, the Syrophoenician woman, right? Um, which is the region of Tyre and Sidon, right? So that's where he departs from. You see, continuity. And where does he go? Through the region of the Decapolis to the Sea of Galilee. So this is kind of a roundabout way. He's on the Sea of Galilee, but on the Gentile side. We've talked about him going back and forth across the sea, right? So he's gone from Tyre and Sidon, which of course is Gentile, now to the Decapolis, which is also Gentile. Um, who was brought to Jesus? Of course, you know, one who was deaf and had an impediment of speech, which I argued means that he was probably deaf from birth. And what did they beg Jesus to do? We've seen this frequently in Mark's gospel, right? To put his hand on him. All right, they want to touch the hem of his garment, um, and then other times to to touch the daughter, right? Uh, and here to touch this man. So, what did Jesus do for this man? Yeah, he took him aside, put his fingers, Jesus's fingers, in the man's ears, right, and then spat and touched his tongue. Now, whether he spat on his hand and touched his tongue with that, I don't think that's implied there. But there is the spitting, the spitting. Uh, it could be a bunch we could say about spitting, but anyway, touched his tongue. And what did he utter? A word, right? One word, ephatha, which uh, Mark translates for us, which means be opened. Um, this word, ephatha, it actually has, uh, it's Aramaic, but it, it actually has some Old Testament background uh, in the prophet Isaiah. So we can do some work on that, uh, which we didn't do on Sunday. So Isaiah 50. Not enough time in a little sermon. Um, 
Isaiah 50 verse 4, we'll start there. The Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned, that I should know how to speak, a word in season to him who is weary. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear. Oh, that's a cool expression. To hear as the learned. The Lord God has opened my ear. So we have speaking and ears here. And I was not rebellious, nor did I turn away. I gave my back to those who struck me and my cheeks to those who plucked out the beard. I did not hide my face from shame and spitting. For the Lord God will help me. Therefore, I will not be disgraced. Therefore, I have set my face like flint, and I know that I will not be ashamed. He who is near who, ju- he is near who justifies me, who will contend with me? Let us stand together. Who is my adversary? Let him come near me. Surely the Lord God will help me. Who is he who will condemn me? Indeed, they will all grow old like a garment. The moth will eat them up. Right? So we have, um, the Lord has given me the, the tongue, tongue of the learned so that I should know how to speak. And then later he has, he awakens my ear to hear as the learned. The Lord God has opened my ear and I was not rebellious. All right. And then I love how he has the um, uh, confession of uh, the life of the Christian being one um, after uh, the pattern of Christ himself, right? I gave my back to those who struck me, prophetic of Jesus, my cheeks to those who plucked out the beard, right? They struck him on the face. And I did not hide my face from shame and spitting. Oh, there's the spitting too. Oh, I didn't, I did, neglected that. All right. Um, let's see. And then also Isaiah 51. Let's see where we should go here. This is a comfort to Zion. Okay. I, even I am he who comforts you, who are you that you should be afraid of a man who will die and of the son of man who will be made like grass. And you forget the Lord, your maker, who stretched out the heavens and laid the foundations of the earth. You have feared continually every day because of the fury of the oppressor when he has, was, has prepared to destroy. And where is the fury of the oppressor? The captive exile hastens that he may be loosed, that he should not die in the pit, and that his bread should not fail. But I am the Lord your God who divided the sea whose waves roared. The Lord of hosts is his name. Here we go. I have put my words in your mouth, and I have covered you with the shadow of my hand, that I may plant the heavens, lay the foundations of the earth, and say to Zion, You are my people. All right, now these are both actually in the context of the servant song, which is why that little hint um, towards uh, being struck on the back and the plucking out of the beard and the spitting and the striking, um, all is, of course, a picture of what happens to Christ Jesus himself, right? So Isaiah is speaking not only of you, but really of, of Christ first, who is the servant who will have his ear opened to hear the words of the Lord God, right? So think of uh, boy Jesus in the temple, grew in wisdom and stature before God and men. But you also have the people who forget that the Lord has loosed them, right? Ephatha, there it is again, from the captivity and put his words in their mouth, right? So to have the ear loosed, Ephathud, and uh, the people who had been loosed from captivity in Egypt, and he put his words in their mouth. All right, so what's the words of this, or what's the result of this word Ephatha on the uh, deaf mute man? Of course, his ears were opened immediately. 
and as no doubt you're not surprised about now, his tongue was loosed and he spoke plainly. Uh, so this is, connects well to that memory verse, right? Yeah. To confess um, is a gift here of the work of Jesus, right? The speaking. What command uh, did Jesus give? Yeah, he commanded them, that is, those who brought the man, they, uh, that they should tell no one. And the result, though, was that the more he told them not to, remember we're in Gentile territory here, the more widely they proclaim it. All right, so it seems, uh, I don't know if I'm seeing a pattern, but I I think so, is that um, the Gentiles go about proclaiming the gospel after they've received healing or other forms that the gospel is delivered to them, good news of salvation in Jesus. Um, the, when he does this for the Jews, they do seem to keep silent. Hmm. And what were they saying about Jesus? He has done all things well, right? Because he makes both the deaf hear and the mute to speak. Okay, meditation then. The servant of the Lord, Isaiah 50, 51, has come to release his people from the powers of death. He opens the man's ears to hear the good news of salvation, that he will indeed open the tombs of all men. Jesus spits upon the man as he spits upon us in holy baptism, maybe a stretch, and opens up the shackles that binds us. Our Lord will be spat upon before his death, that he may spit forth the full benefits of his death and resurrection upon us. Each time his word is preached, it opens the ears of men and gives men the words to proclaim his salvation. Thus, our liturgy is simply speaking of the words which the Lord places in our mouth and which, by his grace, we confess to be true. These words center upon the preaching and eating by which our tongues are loosed. I would say loosed to confess his holy name. Very good. Yes, you're right, Chris. They so wanted all to know. Right? And I argued in the sermon on Sunday, or I suggested, um, that it happens. Uh, and sometimes it happens even despite you. I, thanks be to God for that, right? God does great things for us, uh, and we maybe aren't so anxious to go about telling others, and yet um, we are given occasion, and the Lord works that miracle in us despite us. Thanks be to God. All right, our catechism this week is Lord's Prayer Introduction. Say it with me. Our Father, who art in heaven, what does this mean? With these words, God tenderly invites us to believe that he is our true Father and that we are his true children, so that with all boldness and confidence, we may ask him, as dear children ask their dear Father. We pray. Heavenly Father, in holy baptism, we became your dear children and you became our dear Father. You have given us every gift of salvation through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And for Jesus' sake, have made us or made to us many great and precious promises. We thank you for the gift of forgiveness, for clothing us with the righteousness of Christ, and for making us heir, joint heirs with your Son of eternal life. Forgive us for doubting your tender love for us and for not trusting that we are your dear children in Jesus. Give us confidence in your word, boldness to call upon you in prayer for all our needs, and the joy of being your dearly loved, and forgiven children. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. On this Wednesday, we pray for marriage and family, that husbands and wives 
Parents and children live in ordered harmony according to the word of God. We pray for all parents who must rear their children alone. We pray for our communities and neighborhoods. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. On this Wednesday, we pray in Thanksgiving with Michael and Heaven, who both celebrate their birthday. Today, Keith and Tammy celebrating their anniversary. We pray for all our households, especially um, this week for Julie, Courtney, Don and Karen, Joe, Martin and Tara, Jan and Donna. We pray for um, all those who are ill, receiving treatment or recovering, especially Tristan, Marcella, Angie, Jeremy, Kelsey, Amanda, John and Timothy, Janice, Sandy, Ken and Kathy. Pray for our homebound, Bev, David, Roy, Willis and Janice and Mickey. Pray for the missions and mercy work of the church and also for the mercy work of Safe Harbor, Sheboygan County. We pray an intercession for the gift and increase of patience among us. For all this, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Pray the collect for this week. Almighty and merciful God, by your gift alone, your faithful people render true and laudable service. Help us steadfastly to live in this life according to your promises and finally attain your heavenly glory. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Lord of heaven and earth, the children of this world often refer to Afghanistan as the graveyard of empires. You know it as another corner of the world you made and redeemed in the blood of your Son. No place on this earth is beyond your care and concern. In all the recent chaos brought on by the devastatingly poor decisions made by U.S. leadership, you alone can bring hope. Enable U.S. and allied forces to rescue and evacuate our people from the clutches of the terrorists, including all those Afghans who worked alongside U.S. forces and trusted that America would help them secure a better future for their people, especially their women and children. Comfort the families of those who lost loved ones serving in Afghanistan, fighting for our safety and a better society for all. Give them the certainty that their lives and sacrifices had meaning before your throne of grace. Preserve and protect your Christian people in Afghanistan who face the prospect of certain persecution and even death at the hands of their Taliban warlords. We are bold to pray even for what seems impossible to our eyes, the softening of Taliban hearts, so that they would repent of their false god and believe in the free gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. Pray the prayer our Lord has taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. I thank you, my heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have kept me this night from all harm and danger. And I pray that you would keep me this day also from sin and every evil, that all my doings and life may please you. For into your hands I commend myself, my body and soul and all things. Let your holy angel be with me, that the evil foe may have no power over me. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grace of the Lord, our Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. All right, let's sing our hymn for this week, The Gifts Christ Freely Gives. 
our gifts Christ freely gives. He gives to you and me to be his church, his bride, his chosen saved and free. Saints blessed with these rich gifts, our children who proclaim that they were won by Christ and flow from the font where he calls us his own. Your life he gives that makes us his and his alone. Here he forgives our sins with water and his word. A triune God himself gives power to of grace and peace from absolution flow. The pastor's words are Christ for us to trust and know. Forgiveness that we need is granted to us there. The Lord of mercy sends us forth in his last pair. The gifts are there each day, the holy word is read. Those children listen here, receive, and they are found. Christ fills them with himself. Blessed words that give them life, restoring and refreshing them for this world strife. The gifts are in the feast, gives far more than we see. Beneath the bread and wine is food from Good to have you with us here today for our Congregation of Prayer, our guide for daily med- meditation and prayer around God's Word. Um, I had a brainstorm on the bike, it might come out in a sermon at some point, um, that 
the uh, a lot of people think of the life of the Christian as their life given in baptism, uh, which is of course absolutely true. That's where your identity is given, and the promise of heaven um, is yours, and you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, what does the Holy Spirit do? The Holy Spirit leads you from your baptism into a life of discipleship, that is following after Jesus, namely um, adhering to his word, listening, um, hearing, um, confessing, um, and living according to the word, right? Um, and that there seems to be a disconnect between baptism and being a disciple of Jesus. What does he make you? Um, um, I've actually articulated this in other places. Matthew 28 would be a good place, right? Where he, where he says, um, go and make disciples. How? By baptizing and teaching. Baptizing and teaching. Those two things go with discipleship making, right? Uh, and again, it's all the work of the Spirit working through um, his apostolic word, working through the disciples, right? But again, uh, baptism apart, that li- is confessed apart from the regular receiving of God's word in both uh, preaching and teaching, um, it's not a life of discipleship, right? And it actually cuts you off um, and is like, uh, it's like baptism would be like then being grafted onto a branch, but then that branch being um, not fed and nourished, right? All right. Good. So um, with that, I bid you adieu. (laughs) Lord be with you today. Keep you safe. uh, And we'll see you again tomorrow at 9 a.m.